So, brethren, let us hear the word of God in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Brethren, today we want to look at the incarnation by way of four simple questions, so that when we pray, we may better understand to whom we pray when we pray. The first question is, what does the incarnation mean? The root Latin word is carnale, meaning flesh. Incarnation means to become flesh or to take on flesh. The dictionary definition, this from a secular dictionary, says the doctrine that the Son of God was conceived in the womb of Mary and that Jesus is true God and true man. But how can God become a man? This was the subject of much theological controversy during the first centuries, even heretical error. Men wanted to say one of two things, either that Jesus was only divine and therefore did not have a physical body, but only appeared in bodily form. Or men would say that he was only human and therefore just had a special filling of God's spirit without himself being divine. But 22 centuries of biblical studies under the guidance of the Holy Spirit have taught us this, and this is a definition from Elwell's Dictionary of Theology. The incarnation is the act whereby the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, without ceasing to be what he is, God himself, God the Son, took into union with himself what he before that act did not possess. He took on a human nature, and so he was and continues to be both God and man as one person, yet with two distinct natures forever. So Christ's deity never has ceased to be deity, and his humanity now is a real humanity and will never cease to be humanity. His deity and humanity are both perfectly united into one person. So, of course, we can't explain how this is, but we can at least affirm this is biblical truth, the God-man. Now consider these scriptures, John 3.13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And John 6.38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. When the scriptures tell us that Jesus came down from heaven, they tell us that Jesus existed in heaven before the incarnation. And they tell us that he not only existed, but that he eternally existed in heaven beforehand. We see this in John 17, 5. Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
we saw a glimpse of that glory at the transfiguration when Peter, James, and John beheld his face shining bright as the noonday sun. So John testifies, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So that's a little bit about the meaning of incarnation. The second question is, what does the incarnation teach us? The incarnation brings us tidings of great joy, peace, and goodwill. We know joy because having the penalty for our sins removed, what could be more wonderful than God being with us? We know peace because at the incarnation we learn that God desires to bless us and not to curse us. We know God's grace because his love is set upon us by God's own decree and not by our feeble efforts to earn his favor. We know humility and self-denial because Christ's entrance was marked by the most humble of circumstances and these all purposely chosen by God. We know Jesus Christ is the true Messiah because he fulfilled more than 30 distinct Old Testament prophecies in his birth, life, and death. So this is what the incarnation teaches us. The third question, what are the benefits of the incarnation? Because Christ became a man, Jesus has supplied us with a perfect pattern and example for daily life. Truly, we can ask ourselves in any situation, what would Jesus do? Because Christ became a man, he can be touched with our infirmities. He has real empathy with his people. He understands our needs from his own firsthand experience. Because Christ became a man, we must see our bodies as having a true dignity and not defile them with sin. Because Christ became a man, we hear Christ pray. and We learn from him in his school of prayer, lived out before us in the Gospels. Because Christ became a man, we hear him pray for his people in John 17. And we learn more fully the Father's love for the Son and his love for his children. And brethren, this should humble us and bring us to our knees. So these are some of the many benefits of the incarnation. The fourth question is, how must we apply the truth of the incarnation? First, the incarnation is not simply the birth of a great man, but the actual Son of God becoming a man. And thus, when we deal with Jesus, we are dealing with God. When we pray to him, we are quorum deo, face to face with the living God. When the angel said at the incarnation, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, they were not just speaking of Jesus' presence with us in the 33 years that immediately followed, but they spoke of eternal blessings as well, 
eternal blessing has come to us through the incarnation. The incarnation also forces us to remember that his coming to us on this earth had an eternal purpose, to give his life as a ransom for many. The incarnation and the atonement, brethren, are inextricably linked. We cannot have one without the other. His atoning work on the cross and his incarnation at the birth. So, dear ones, in this world of woe, here in the incarnation, we have light. Here we find hope. Over the years, Linda and I have been members of 10 different churches as we moved around. Some of these churches were all in for Christmas. There were lighted trees, holly, wreaths, singing of carols, and the preaching from Luke 1 and 2 throughout the month of December. Others were at the other end of the spectrum, tracing the holiday to its pagan roots and wanting to be totally separate from the covetous materialism that consumes the secular holiday day. There were no seasonal decorations, no carols, no mention of Christmas, only the good reminder to remember our Lord Jesus Christ in the only way that he ordained in the scriptures, and that is in the regular observance of the Lord's Supper and in baptism. Now, regardless of whether you celebrate the Christmas holiday or not, the incarnation itself is worth maintaining a crystal clear focus. It is one of the biblical truths that unite us here in this call. It is when God became man and came down from heaven to dwell among us. It is the beginning of his saving work at the cross. It is the beginning of our hope for eternity. It is the beginning of everything good in this world. It is the beginning of our prayers to Jesus, the God-man, who came down from heaven to show us his glory and to give us his grace and truth. May the Lord bless us as we remember our God's special gift to us, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man. Amen.